0: And we love American manufacturing, and so we can't, be, you know, we can't be cooperative, collaborative, and coordinated internally and not be cooperative, collaborative, and coordinated externally. We can't do that. We're just not made that way, and we don't look at it that way, and we don't look at it competitively. You know, we, look at, you know, we look at Connecticut, and we know what we're good at, and we know what we're not good at, and we don't try to pretend to be
1: anything that we're not. That voice was Paul Lavoie, the state of Connecticut's chief manufacturing officer, leading the way for American manufacturing from New England. His interview with Connecticut's Chief Workforce Officer, Kelly Marie Valeries, coming up next on the podcast, Manufacturing an American Century.
2: Welcome, Americans. You're listening to the podcast, Manufacturing an American Century, with your host, Matt Bagosian.
1: Today, we're lucky enough to have with us two guests, the Chief Manufacturing Officer for the great state of Connecticut, Paul Lavoie, and Dr. Kelly Marie Valeries, who is the Chief Workforce Officer in Connecticut. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here.
2: Thank you, Matt. Great to be here.
1: Paul, let's start with you. You've had a distinguished career in business. Why did you take this job?
0: So I was working in the manufacturing uh, sector as a manufacturing leader, running a manufacturing business, and really started, we had some real success with reshoring and and really taking a look at how we can help grow manufacturing in the state. And through that work started to get involved kind of outside of carry manufacturing in the manufacturing ecosystem with, you know, participating in the governor's workforce council meetings, which uh, fall under Kelly's Office of Workforce Strategy, getting involved with the Industry 4.0 Working Group uh, and other workforce issues. And a lot of that I became very passionate about. So I was executing a succession plan at Kerry Manufacturing for the next generation, and they were ready to take over the business when the opportunity to become Connecticut's chief manufacturing officer became available. So it allowed me to do a lot of things that I was very passionate about. I'm very passionate about the state of Connecticut, very passionate about manufacturing, but I'm very passionate about making sure Connecticut succeeds. I'm born, raised, lived here. The longest time I've been out of Connecticut was for a two-week vacation. So, uh, you know, this is the state that I love, and I want to work really hard to make sure that the state is healthy and growing. And then my love for manufacturing really has driven me to be Connecticut's chief manufacturing officer.
1: And you work closely with Kelly, right?
0: We work very closely together.
1: And so, workforce is one of the six key component parts of a thriving regional manufacturing ecosystem. Kelly, what brought you to work for the state of Connecticut?
2: So, like Paul, I was running my manufacturing businesses for 14 years and realized that uh, there was no talent pipeline into manufacturing 10, 15 years ago. So, I reached out outside of my organization to other manufacturing companies in Eastern Connecticut. And we uh, started an uh, association called the Eastern Advanced Manufacturing Alliance. And through there, a consortium of manufacturing companies, we really worked together to determine the best way to build a talent pipeline and we built the manufacturing pipeline initiative which is now a national best practice where we went out and worked with manufacturers, determined what are the common skill set across all manufacturers. We built an introductory program and then from there we stacked on the different types of manufacturing competencies whether it's machining or welding or programming. From there we were able to build a pipeline into those training programs and to date, since 2014, we have over 4,000 people who have gone through those programs. And so that work really led me to working across the state of Connecticut to expand that type of a pipeline. And we also had a succession plan, and my husband and my sons and my daughter-in-law are at the business and really enabled me to leave the day-to-day operations and come and do this work full-time and scale these programs across the state. And what kind of business was that? We have two businesses. We're a sheet metal manufacturing company first, and then secondly, in response to the Great Recession, we built an OEM called Monster Power Equipment, and we build uh, commercial and municipal leaf and debris equipment, and we were able to build a, a customer for sound manufacturing. They build all of the metal send it to Monster, and then we assemble and send out from there. So it's been a a really fun journey over the years, and manufacturing is always the heart of everything that I do.
1: Well, it is at the heart of American prosperity. You know, um, the National Economic Council was really... uh, uh, you know, demonstrating the cornerstone of American prosperity when they identified manufacturing as, as, uh, you know, one of the most important sectors in the American economy. And if we're going to win the 21st century, we've got to strengthen it in regions across the country. And fortunately your state, Connecticut has, uh, come, uh, uh, come together and focused on manufacturing and made these investments, um. Where the state government looks poised to take advantage of recent trends in federal government uh, uh, investments in manufacturing, Paul, talk talk a little bit about that and how it came to be. Uh, you know, we we would like to share Connecticut's example of a state government investing in manufacturing because not every state is uh, doing that kind of thing. It's an important lesson for regions around the country.
0: Yeah, at, so at the state level, back in in twenty. 2014, 2015, that time period, the legislature, uh, at the at the urging of the Department of Economic and Community Development, created the Manufacturing Innovation Fund, and they funded the Manufacturing Innovation Fund with a charter to grow and support small and medium manufacturers in the state. You know, you look at the manufacturing ecosystem in Connecticut. We have 4,368 manufacturers, and we're only 5,445 square miles. So, you swing a wiffle ball bat, which is made here, you're going to hit one of us, and. Um, and so they created the Manufacturing Innovation Fund, and from that came, you know, up to date now, up to uh, 2022, uh, the legislature has invested 100 million dollars in manufacturing in some very innovative programs. We have some matching grant programs, but we also have programs that are designed to help build the industry in general, and also to to, um, support a lot of the workforce efforts that we're working on. Just to give you an example of of how we think and how we collaborate, um, I had money to change hearts and minds about advertising uh, for manufacturing, and Kelly runs Career Connect, which she'll talk about, and she has an advertising budget as well. So Kelly and I sat down and said, let's do it together. And uh, the, the, the success that we're having is really off the charts from driving people in the manufacturing sector. But we you know, chose the same agency. We collaborated and we, we put those programs together. So at the state level, we have this very strong sense of collaboration around how we can continue to invest in the manufacturing sector to grow it. And then when you look at the national level, you know, with all of, all of the stuff that's happening at the national level, and the federal level, um, we're starting to get our legs underneath us as to how we're going to go after federal dollars, what programs are important. You know, on the workforce side, Kelly's certainly well ahead of that. You know, the EDA, G- good job challenge. We were the single biggest awardee of, of a grant uh, for that program as well. So, um, So we're really looking at how we can leverage what we're doing. We have a, we have a, well-built ecosystem here that if money comes into it, we know what to do with it. And we know what to do with it for impact at scale. So two things we look at is where are we going to get the maximum impact and how can we do it at scale? Uh, Because we have a lot of people that are doing things that may or may not have impact, and they're definitely not doing it at scale. And so we look at how we can bring everybody together to make sure that we're doing things at scale so that we can have We can have just maximum impact on our manufacturing sector. And it really is all about collaborating, coordinating and helping the sector grow, helping solve problems for the manufacturing sector. As the chief manufacturing officer, the best thing I can do is create an environment where manufacturers can do what they do best. And that is make parts and hire people and help us grow the economy. I can't do that, but I can create programs that allow them to do that and allow them to do that more effectively.
1: Right. And having an ecosystem of support around the manufacturing sector, and of course that gets to the workforce, which is one of the big six parts of a thriving manufacturing ecosystem. What would you say to other regions around the country is the kind of, you know, the the kind of elements of your success? Kelly, in terms of, you know, herding, herding the cats in your workforce ecosystem in Connecticut, how did you get to, to where you are and how could you even be better?
2: So in In Connecticut, we really work together and collaboratively, and that's really the key to the success. There's no one entity or agency that can do this work together. And so as we started building out manufacturing ecosystem in Eastern Connecticut with a pipeline program, I started reaching out to the other regions of the state to say, as a state, We need to come together as well, and so there's many manufacturing associations spread out across the state, each of them kind of doing their own thing. We had 13 community colleges kind of working independently with with different associations kind of doing their own thing. We have the, the technical high school system doing their own thing. So the goal really was to bring all of these entities together to start having larger conversations and coordinating our efforts. So one of the first things we did was build the Connecticut Manufacturing Collaborative, where the seven largest manufacturing associations came together to really talk on the policy level. And out of the manufacturing collaborative came the position, the chief manufacturing officer. That was the first thing that we were able to, to, to uh, do together and collaborate, was to get that position installed. And we see the benefits and the multiplier effect of having a person solely focused on collectively herding the cats and building the pro- programs and systems in place that are necessary And then on our end, in the workforce side, we took a national best practice, like the Manufacturing Pipeline Initiative, and said, how do we grow this across the state of Connecticut? The governor and the legislature put a $70 million investment into short-term training programs with ARPA funding. So what we did with that is take the best learned lessons in manufacturing And we built a single entry point for anyone interested in training programs for any industry sector. We called it Career Connect. It's ct.gov forward slash Career Connect. And this is a portal where anyone who's interested in manufacturing or other industry sectors can go and enter into those programs. We also coordinated, as uh, Paul said, our manufacturing Advertising with Career Connect advertising. And so Paul pointed to the Made Here campaign to our website, and more than half of our traffic that is coming in is coming off of the Made Here campaign. Again, that multiplier effect of coordinating. And in a very short time of less than three months, we have over 5,000 people who have gone into the portal. And when we look at that compared to the number of people that have been serviced through the community college system in the American Job Center, um, that's what they do in a year or more, let alone less than three months. So that multiplier effect is really able us to drive people into these training programs, connect them uh, to the businesses that need them.
1: Yeah, so you've got these uh, incentives uh, that are created by the federal government how do you organize yourself to go after one of them? And, and, and give us an example.
2: The Office of Workforce Strategy saw the opportunity with the EDA Good Jobs Challenge as a really way to scale the work that we were already doing in Connecticut. One of the strategic initiatives of the Manufacturing Strategic Plan and the state's strategic plan for workforce was to build out regional sector partnerships. And so we have a regional sector partnership in all five regions of the state of Connecticut. These are a little different than the associations. These are where our manufacturers come together as a group of manufacturers determining what their needs are. They're the center of the table. They drive the discussion. And then we have the support partners that are sitting around the table ready and able to act upon the needs of those manufacturers in each region. Because we already had a robust number of these regional sector partnerships already in place, When we applied for the Good Jobs Challenge, we became the largest awardee of the Good Jobs Challenge. So 509 applications, 32 awards, and Connecticut received $23.9 million. Mm -hmm. So those funds are um, able to now go back into our regional sector partnerships to scale the work that they're doing. For example, in Eastern Connecticut, They wanted to bring the manufacturing pipeline initiative down into the high schools and scale a youth pipeline initiative. So those funds are going to help scale that program. In other regions of the state, it was around education to make sure people understood the opportunities of manufacturing. And we were able to scale the Made Here campaign and attach the work that we're doing there building a single website where everyone can go who's interested in regional sector partnerships to one place. Again, trying to break down these silos and making those connections to the um, website for the Manufacturing Innovation Fund and the work that Paul is doing to build that concierge and then connecting it again with Career Connect and how we're connecting workforce into that ecosystem and making sure everyone understands the point of entry and the point of exit, but also making sure we're building on and off ramps for people at different stages of their careers so they can come into the educational system, back into employment, and then loop back around to gain additional skill sets to advance their careers.
1: So you're talking about how you're herding the cats and bringing folks together, and it's taken time, right? Like, how do you overcome... Um, the different stakeholder opposition to, to you know, who, stakeholders that might not want to participate in some of these collective impact activities?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think people have come together around manufacturing for a very long time in Connecticut. We have a manufacturing association that's over 100 years old. So as we know, Connecticut is a founder of manufacturing was found here in the great state of Connecticut. And so we, our roots are deep, but we're also a state that likes to kind of do things on our own and be very independent. So the point of kind of bringing that people together to collaborate has had a few bumps. It's not always easy to get people to understand that what you're doing over here bring your best practices to the center table, and if everybody's bringing their best practices and we're scaling them, the impact just keeps multiplying. But there's a lot of conversations that happen to get people to understand the process and bring people forward and kind of meeting them where they're at and helping them see where they can go and bringing them into the conversation so that we're not sidelining anyone out and we're not making people feel like there's something else coming in on top of, but that it's in addition to, and we're kind of trying to build this funnel where we have um, a real strong policy advocate at the top and then having you know implementation being very local. And so having the stakeholders plugging in at the different levels to accomplish the the goals of everyone it sounds complicated it kind of is it is a lot about herding cats but I think we've been at this long enough in Connecticut that now we're really starting to see those stakeholders come together in a way that we never really imagined five years ago we could be in this position. So it's yeah, very exciting. It, it, yeah, it's
1: great, Kelly. It's collective impact science or complex system science, uh, is what some, it's sometimes called. And you guys have a history of, of building up. I mean, uh, you were one of the founding communities in the IMCP program many years ago, which was an incremental step um, to doing what, what uh, you were talking about. Yeah.
0: T- so to Kelly's point, you know, uh, this really all starts from the governor, right? Cause what the governor d- did to the state and the state sees that and the, state, the rest of the people in the state say, hey, look where they're going. And it looks like where they're going is going to be pretty cool. Maybe we should go there, too. And so these silos start to fall naturally only because, only because we're just so tightly tied together uh, in making sure that we're working together on collaboration. You know, when we talk about impact and collective impact. I want to highlight this because Kelly mentioned it, but, but in two and a half months, so so the Made Here campaign launched in October of 2022. Kelly launched her Career Connect portal in January of 2023. Since then, we've had 100,000 people go to the Career Connect portal, of which 50% of that traffic has come from the Made Here campaign. And now she has 5,000 people that have actually registered in the portal looking for jobs. That's in three months. And the only reason why we're getting those significant results is because We're lockstep tied in together to we did it from the beginning. And it's just an example of of collective impact, but managing, you know, measuring that impact. And I'm telling manufacturers right now, I'm telling, listen, you better be ready because there are people coming through this pipeline that are going to be looking for jobs. And you better be ready to train these people because we that's where I think this thing might fall down is we have jobs out there but all of a sudden you know i have six openings and six people show up oh i you know i can't hire all six no no you can hire all six you know we're solving this problem you know and so um but i wanted to highlight just the that, a, That this really starts with the governor and, and the way the governor approaches the state and wh- the way that he looks at it, and then how all of us just naturally collaborate. I mean, Kelly and I were talking this morning on the way in, and we were talking about a hearing where she answered a question. She said, Well, I, you know, I answered it, Paul, but you probably should have answered it. And I said to her, I said, Kelly, you'd have said the same thing that I said, so it doesn't matter to me, you know. And, and but that's, you know, that's just kind of the way, uh, and, you know, and she did answer it perfectly, so I don't need to say anything, you know, and, and so, um, and, and I think that's very different it's very different in Connecticut and again I've been here a long time it's very very different in Connecticut but it's what gets us really really excited about the future because we can see you know we haven't been at this for a long time and we can see all of the work that we're doing and the collaboration that we're doing and it just gets really exciting when you're going to start to see this stuff in the next one two or three years you know kind of really come to fruition I mean tell the governor that all the time just you know be patient this is you know what we're doing is is it's going to work it's going to work it's going to work and and um and it is. It's going to work, and, and and there's going to be. I think you know, five six years from now, um, you know, Connecticut is going to be in, in a much much better position than we are. Uh, you know, we're not we're not where we want to be, but thank God
1: we ain't where we used to be. So, yeah,
0: you know, we're we're on our way. You and
1: know? yeah, and uh, you guys just came out with. Uh this at the end of the last year, or this year was uh, your state strategy for manufacturing. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, uh, in March, uh, March 9th, we launched Connecticut's manufacturing uh, strategic plan. And it is built on a foundation of innovation so we everything that we do uh, is really around innovation and our partner in that innovation journey is ccat supported by a whole bunch of other partners like our university system our MEP, all of those areas Um, but when we look at innovation it's how are we going to drive innovation and workforce Um, you know when i look at the workforce strategy we have workforce development we have workforce growth and we have workforce innovation and kelly in workforce development And she talked about that Eastern Pipeline. Kevin Graney, who's the president of Electric Boat, called the Connecticut Workforce Development System a national treasure. So we're pretty confident that we can always be better in workforce development, but we're really looking at workforce innovation and workforce growth. And Kelly's office is working on a lot of initiatives around how do we get people to come to Connecticut for the jobs that we have. Looking at, you know, the governor's looking at housing. Kelly has... Uh, programs around transportation, there's programs around childcare. You know, we look at each sector, we look at barriers to entry and how we can increase the labor participation rate in those areas. And, and Kelly and I work hand in glove on those initiatives. My you know my manufacturing strategic plan says we align with the Office of Workforce Strategies plan. And her plan says we align with with the you know the, the manufacturing strategic plan. Supply chain and supply chain resiliency, driving cost out of the manufacturing business, but making our supply chain more resilient. And our MEP network is our partner there in how we're going to make it more resilient. And then industry growth. How are we going to grow industry? And we look at industry growth from how do we help our manufacturers that are already here, invested here, how do we help them grow? That's the easiest way for us to grow right? It's to take an existing customer, a manufacturer, and help them build their existing business rather than trying to recruit new businesses or, you know. So business retention and expansion is key, and Advanced CT, Advanced Connecticut is our partner there. Uh, and then we have a business attraction strategy as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's start, with, let's start with taking care of the businesses that are here, that are already invested, that are already taxpayers, and look at how we can strategically grow manufacturing kind of around those sectors, grow those sectors that we have, like medical devices, um, chemical products, Processing is very big. Food manufacturing, and of course, defense. I, you know, I purposely said that last because we always say it first. But uh, defense is very important as well. So, um, so the strategic plan is really very simple: workforce, supply chain, grow the industry, all on a foundation of innovation. We must innovate to be able to to achieve all of our objectives in those three. So pillars. Not
1: only are you guys strengthening the Connecticut manufacturing ecosystem, but you're a part of the American manufacturing ecosystem, and and you know we're in this. Uh, essential competition with dictators, you know, together. And you guys in Connecticut have been part of IMCP and AMCC and have been very forthcoming and participating um, in, you know, overall and in this podcast to share best practices. Kelly, what would you say to other regions around the country about uh, committing time and energy to to the work that you've described here?
2: It's really important for companies to look outside of their front door and see what's happening in the world around them. When the Great Recession hit my company, I could see what was happening on the federal national stage a couple months later affecting my business. And I followed that whole chain. And as you look outside of your your front door, you will see that there are things that are happening around you that if you're not part of that conversation and you don't have your voice in that, You're just along for the ride. And so it's so important for companies to be involved. Become a manufacturing ambassador. Take part in the regional sector partnerships. Take part in hiring people out of the training programs that are coming out of Career Connect, that are coming out of the community college system. Ensure that the people that work for you are the most important asset that you have. And we need to make sure that we are we are um, investing in those people, incumbent worker training, opportunities for growth. We need to make sure that we're looking outside of our traditional labor pool. There's not enough people to do the things that we need them to do if we're just looking at our labor pool that has always kind of been in front of us. We have to look at, you know, or we have to look in um, places that have historically been marginalized and not participating in the talent pipeline and providing opportunities for others. So a lot of the strategic plan, as Paul mentioned, around manufacturing is not just these training programs. The technical aspect of training is very easy. That's the easiest piece of the puzzle. Finding the people providing the opportunities for people helping remove their barriers making sure that they have access to childcare, transportation housing i was so surprised during the height of the pandemic housing was the number one supportive service we provided in our training programs food security all of those things are so important to help remove barriers for entry and then help people into employment. But we have a gap also in our federal dollars. So our state has um, committed $40 million for programs that bridge that gap in what training federal dollars can do versus uh, the state dollars. But again, if our companies and our leaders don't get involved, then they're going to be left behind because everyone else is moving forward. And again, it's that multiplier effect in the flywheel. And that wheel is turning faster and faster. So if you're not on board, then you're going to be left behind in the wake very quickly here. So it's really exciting to see how our businesses are, are standing up. But it's also really exciting to see how our workforce system is starting to really collaborate across Regions thinking more broadly. So, our workforce board system through with the American Job Centers, our Department of Labor, our college system, both private and public. We always think of our community colleges as being the place for these job training programs, but our four year institutions are they've got their hand up and they're saying include us. And so, we've got programs in IT and healthcare that have broadly participation in public and private institutions where we can then bring that down into manufacturing. We've got some four-year institutions in Connecticut, Southern State um, comes to mind, who's doing amazing things in manufacturing. They built a whole new facility around manufacturing. So it's not just engineering, but thinking about all of those other high-tech innovative technologies that are coming out to support. So people need to get involved or you're going to be left behind.
1: That's great, Kelly. Same question to you, Paul. Uh, What would you say to other states and regions around the country about the importance of this work?
2: So it
0: starts with, you know, it really starts with a vision of, you know essentially what you, you know for us what do we want manufacturing to be in the state and that's part of our strategic plan is that vision but you know we talk about cooperation collaboration and coordination right we talk about those three c's and how how we relentlessly pursue that and make sure that we're always you know we're always doing we're always coordinating we're always collaborating we're, we're always you know taking a look at, at how we can work together and so from that sense, and, and we do what we think is right for Connecticut. And, and we don't necessarily, I tell people this all the time, because you know, everybody say will say, well, you know, this state does this great, and this state does that great, and that state does this great. And I'm like, well, no, look inside first and see what we're doing first before you go ahead and look outside. There are best practices outside and we're willing to look at them. But collectively, we think we do a great job of supporting the manufacturing ecosystem. And we do a great job of supporting the workforce needs in the state. Um, So because we're built on those three C's, we're also happy to look outside and help any other state. I mean, you know, Connecticut first, We love America too, right? And so, and we love America manufacturing. And so we can't be, you know, we can't be cooperative, collaborative, and coordinated internally and not be cooperative, collaborative, and coordinated externally. We can't do that. We're just not made that way. And we don't look at it that way. And we don't look at it competitively. You know, we look at, you know, we look at Connecticut and we know what we're good at and we know what we're not good at. And we don't try to pretend to be anything that we're not, but we're going to be really good at what we're really good at. So we're not worried about... Um, losing that competitive advantage when we go outside and we share and we collaborate. So we're always very happy to, you know, I tell other states, you know, if you're really interested in what we're doing or you want to talk about what we're doing, you know, we're happy to do that. We're happy to share because if we can, you know, again, you know, America, right? We we want to help build American manufacturing by taking what we're doing here in the state and having it be able to... You know best practices and and always open to learning other best practices so we can be better i mean we're always you know uh, you know there's a sign in my office that said we can do better we must do better it's just this we're driven to say that what we're doing may be really good but we can be better And, and how can we continually be better and continually be better so um so we're always open to other practices as well so is there anybody out there that's really interested to know what connecticut's doing uh or has best practices that they'd love to share with us um we you know we're all ears so yeah
2: I think Paul makes a great point with continuous improvement, right? That's the manufacturing mindset that we're always looking for incremental, continuous improvement. And we're never there, and I think a lot of the work that we do is helping other organizations understand that you are doing great work, but with continuous improvement through collaboration, coordination, and cooperation, it's our three C motto is that we can always do better. So that makes people feel like they're included, not excluded, and that they're brought into the process because they can see how that fits what they're doing. And it kind of takes away some of the um, apprehension about, well, you're saying I'm not doing a good job by saying, can we move here? And it, it, it isn't that, it's, it's bringing people to that manufacturing continuous improvement mindset.
1: Well, thank you both, Uh, Chief Manufacturing Officer uh, for the great state of Connecticut, Paul Lavoie, and Dr. Kelly Marie Valeries, Chief Workforce Officer in Connecticut. Thank you again. You can learn more about AMCC by joining our weekly mailing list at AmericanMCC.org backslash subscribe. If you're a manufacturer, economic development professional, workforce and trading person, capital provider, or work in any field critical to American manufacturing, Send us a note. We'd love to hear about progress from your part of the ecosystem and join us on our Monday calls. The next episode of this podcast, Manufacturing in American Century, will be coming out soon. So in the meantime, spread the word by sharing about AMCC and the podcast on your Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. Manufacturing in American Century is available on Spotify and all major podcast platforms. Thanks for our production partners, AMCC Operations Director David Van Sicklin and Mr. Mike McCallum from Podcasting for Associations. That's it for now. I'm Matt Boghossian with you, Manufacturing in American Century. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
0: citizens of the world ask not what America will do for you but what together we can do for the freedom of man